Welcome to the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. My name is Tony Bennett and it's my privilege to write, produce and share the remarkable stories of golfers who refuse to be defined by their disability. Frankly, what started out as a goal to relate the stories of a few golfers has become much more. It is said that everyone has a story and that is true. For several years, I told the stories of golf professionals, how they became good players, great coaches and top club professionals. As enjoyable as this was, the words of my guests on Tough Love and Second Chances and found in the Edgar Profiles supported by Ping have helped me on a journey of discovery and all the while being a much needed look into the human spirit. The openness of my guests is what makes their stories powerful, frequently revealing examples of how hope, courage and the opportunity to express oneself through the game of golf makes for a combination that can improve and even save lives. My conversation with Kate Pollard took place at the Australian All Abilities Championship in Sydney. Sue, my wife, had spent some time chatting with Kate over the previous few days and suggested that I speak with her. Kate was happy to chat, and what follows is the story of what she, her husband Scott, and the rest of the family deal with when their son Cameron tees it up in every single round. It's a record of her experiences of being a parent of a player who was about to compete on the biggest stage. It's Friday, December the 6th, 2019. The place? Sydney, Australia, and Cameron Pollard is standing amid hundreds of people. Cameron stands tall, ready for what the next few hours will bring. He looks confident. After all, he should be. At just 20 years of age, he's earned his place and is about to experience performing on the biggest stage. With his trusty driver in hand, Cameron focuses his mind as best he can. And he says to himself, Don't get ahead of myself. Stay in the present. Remember what my coach said. All these reminders scroll through his mind just like the continuous ticker tape on a TV sportscast. One which is going just a little bit too quickly to be useful. At Cameron's side is his dad. Scott, a keen golfer himself, is Cameron's caddy for the week. The next three days promise so much, and yet the potential for a crisis is ever-present. Scott and his mum Kate will help Cameron through the ups and downs during the round, the roller coaster of emotions that will play out on both the golf course and off the golf course. The gallery seemingly gets bigger every minute. It's just after lunch on the second day of the Australian Open. It's a Friday, and so the long weekend has already started for many in the crowd. They're here to see some golf and to watch the players, some of whom who are not much older than Cameron himself. Kate is milling around amongst the crowd that eagerly anticipate the starter's call to the tee. For Cameron, this is the moment that his mum and all his team have been preparing for. Cameron is just doing what he loves, and yet for Kate, she senses that at any moment, she could be jolted into the present. She's prepared. She has to be. Cameron has a diagnosis of autism, and routine is critical, but frankly, this day is anything but routine. Welcome to the Australian All Abilities Championship. This is match number one. On the tee from Coffs Harbour, Cameron Pollard. Rewind a couple of days and it's the first official practice day of the Australian Open. 
just 40 or so of the leading professionals are involved in the Pro-Am, meaning that the remaining 80 or more players must make do with the practice facilities. Space is at a premium, especially here at the Australian Club. The course, inaugurated in 1882, has a traditional feel about it. The driving range, squeezed between the 3rd and 7th fairways, is more than adequate usually, but demand today far outstrips its capacity. Cameron makes his way to the range, and soon is way out of his comfort zone. Kate watches intently, looking for any early warning signs. You know, we got down to the driving range and it was full, it was it was busy. So one, you've got to learn the skill of waiting, you know, because it doesn't just come to you. Um, so he had to wait for a spot on the range and the range was full of like, and they were closely put together. And he became quite agitated because there were people in front of him swinging, people behind him swinging. Um, and it, and it was very, the noises, the sensations, you know, there's bushfire smoke, um, it was hot, um, his favourite drink wasn't down there, someone behind us started hitting into a, um, like an impact bag, so the noise of that distracted him, there's aeroplanes going overhead. Overload. A term often used in exercise science is typically thought of when a muscle is pushed to and just beyond its capacity to stimulate growth or development. Overload when applied to the brain's capacity to deal with both external and internal stimulus can facilitate growth or cause a breakdown. We've all been there. Too much to do, not enough time, too many smartphone notifications, too many pressing problems, one compounding the next. Take this feeling and we can glimpse into how Cameron was feeling. In an ever faster world, psychologists, meditation teachers and Zen Buddhists offer advice on how to come back from the brink of overload. It's a real phenomenon, and for Cameron and his team, something they have to be aware of every day. There's lots of sensory input that he's trying to manage, and so I was watching him, he was becoming more and more agitated, and um, we can tell that, but from anyone else, might have just think, what's going on there? But for us, we could see that he was becoming more and more agitated. Um, you know, he started chewing on his hands, on his collar of his shirt, he's looking around and becoming just distressed. So we ended up removing him from the from the driving range because it became too much. Just had some downtime, cooled down, you know, um, and we ended up leaving the course early because it was just got too much. A passing look at Cameron and you can be forgiven for thinking that he's just like any other 20-year-old and yet he carries with him several conditions that are invisible to the casual bystander. How could they know that he has a condition called Ehlers-Danlos? So it's a connective tissue disorder. Uh, he's had both of his knees uh, reconstructed because his joints are prone for dislocation. Um, makes his muscles, he's hypermobile. Um, so he has had a lot of problems physically because of that condition. Uh, and he was born with a condition called Hirschsprung's disease. So that condition is where the bowel does not have any ganglion cells, which is what makes the bowel contract. So effectively it didn't work. Um, they removed it and he had um, what's called a secostomy chape button. Add this catalogue of conditions to Cameron's autism and the Pollard family have a lot to deal with. Kate is from Coffs Harbour, a small regional town some 450 kilometres from Sydney on the north coast. So, and I was a young mum, so I was 18 and um, low funds because we were young and um, suddenly left with this child that um, had, you know, all of these conditions that were unknown at the time. 
Cameron cried a lot, and according to Kate, was a colicky baby. The age-old advice to soothe such babies is to ensure that they've got lots of skin-to-skin contact and are wrapped in a blanket. Unbeknown to Kate, Cameron was living with autism. And now, in hindsight, we know he doesn't like to be touched. The scent, you know, and looking, you think, okay, well, it was probably the autism that was, you know, causing him to be so distressed at that time. Eventually, Cameron was medevaced to Sydney, where he underwent multiple surgeries at the children's hospital. At this stage, the doctors, they were trying to work out what was affecting Cameron. First, they found the bowel condition, but as time went on, they started to construct a picture of what Cameron was really dealing with. It was probably, he was three or four when he was diagnosed with the autism, so he wasn't walking, he wasn't meeting his milestones. Um, But at that time, I didn't have anything to compare him to. Yeah, so it was a tough time as a young mum and um, having medical professionals tell you or not treat you as if you were, you know, a parent of maybe a mature age. Kate was maturing with every passing day. One blow after another was forging Kate's character. Probably because he was our first. Um, It's what we dealt with every day, so we didn't know any different. It was just, okay, well, this is what we have to do. Your baby's got to have surgery. Okay. Um, You've got to go to therapy. Okay, right. So things happened to us. We went with them. So I guess there were moments where we were, you know, oh, my God, why is this happening to us? Why us? Um, But I guess we chose to accept it, if that's who he is, um, and just move forward with it and, and face each challenge as it came. Golf has been a blessing for the Pollard family. Husband Scott has always been a golfer and would take Cameron to the golf course, even as a toddler. Give me a bit of a break on a sad day. Scott would be going off to golf, so he'd take Cameron with him um, as a little youngster. You know, he'd either put him in his pocket of his bag when he was really small, um, or in a, in a cart in the basket of the back of a cart, um, and he'd enjoy going around. Um, he got a little plastic set of golf clubs one Christmas, and um, from there he had like a natural swing. Hundreds of players develop their swing by watching others through a kind of osmosis. The unconscious assimilation of movement sequences penetrates the observer. It becomes a map from which their own pattern of kinetics start to develop. Fortunately, Cameron had an excellent model to learn from. Scott, a scratch player, was unintentionally passing years of good practice on to the impressionable Cameron. Because he's quite obsessive, repetitive, like likes those repetitive movements, and it's it can, whilst you play with other people, it's quite an individualised sport. Um, it can be self-centred and you can, it's right up his alley. I think probably by the time he was 10 or 11, like really he started to get into it. Even the regular stops and starts that Cameron had to endure didn't dampen his enthusiasm for the game. He was even swinging a club when his legs were in plaster casts following an operation to lengthen his calf muscles. Because of his hypermobility and his calves and... Um, he used to tiptoe walk and so his um, calves shrunk and his muscles, he couldn't put his feet flat. That's what his routine was and that's what he wanted to be doing. Dr Bob Rotella, one of the most prominent psychologists in sport, says that having a solid routine is a fundamental part of successful athletic performance. We see it in almost every sport. The number of ball bounces a tennis player makes before serving. The gentle backwards and forwards rocking of an Olympic jumper. And of course, the number of waggles or looks at the hole a golfer makes before committing to the shot. Occasionally, 
The routine is broken, and even top professionals such as PGA Tour player Kevin Na cannot pull the trigger to take the club away. The mental activity that's taking place inside their mind just to move the club can be debilitating, and yet from the outside, everything seems normal. Internal tension rises, and when left unchecked, can result in an explosion. Golf history is littered with stories of players whose frustration came out to play. Major champions are not immune to eruptions of frustration. John Daly has had many such occasions. So too has Sergio Garcia. And so how does the Pollard family help Cameron to deal with the ever-present threat? I, I'm always like, I risk manage most situations before we go somewhere and then you're, you know, so you're proactively putting in strategies and then you've got reactive strategies ready as well. So, you know, my handbag has a, you know, bottle of Valium um, just in case, um, you know, I find a word book because it's a nice distraction for him. Um, you know, all of those things. But yeah, I'm always thinking, okay, where could we go that we could take him away to who's around um you know i i'm thinking oh like big events like this you know where are the media because we don't want it obviously to be a big scene we don't want to cause a scene um but certainly we don't want him to feel embarrassed right because at the time he can't he's lost control golf is a sanctuary for cameron because it gives him something to think about that is mostly routine um it gives him something to think about it gives him like yes he focuses on things but it's given him an avenue to an outlet um he's being physical physical you know being physical and and doing activities outdoors is great for the mind um he's you know connecting with people that don't necessarily have a disability um you know it's educating the community he's i i just you know i to myself other 20 year olds are doing you know bad things um i don't have to worry because i know where he is i know what he's doing um, and i know the people that he's around and he's safe kate has learned as she's gone on and grown into the role that she now plays the role of a devoted mother is not only for cameron but also for her younger son blake who is also on the autistic spectrum and for her daughter ella who is neurotypical so we have very patient other children Blake has his own struggles to deal with and proves the old maxim of when you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Totally different ends of the spectrum where Cameron is outgoing and um, quite vibrant. Blake is withdrawn and very quiet. Uh, he is what you would say um, probably one that you know likes the technology. Um, mind you, his obsession is not golf um he would prefer to be fishing and mud crabbing and you know all things dirty um where and and he's got lots of sensory things so cameron's um very sensory seeking so he's wanting input all the time where blake's an avoider so he doesn't like textures he doesn't like you know the fan on or the light you know all of these different things so like where Cameron likes to go and turn all of the lights off and shut all of the doors in the house. Blake likes them all open and all the lights on. You know, uh, Cameron's got in his bedroom a weighted blanket, which gives him great relief from with anxiety. Um, you know, he comes home, he goes to his bedroom, puts a weighted blanket on, and he's calm for the next 30 minutes. 
Blake. Oh, I couldn't stand to have that weighted blanket on oh, and is, you know, wanting the least amount of clothes on and that kind of, yeah, so completely different ends of the spectrum. So, you know, for anyone that thinks that they should be the same, they're not. So the constant challenges are not easy, but Kate deals with everything that life throws her way. The ongoing cost of care is not insignificant, but individualised funding from the Australian National Disability Insurance Scheme has been a help. Every parent wants the best for their children. And to have at least some support assistance is a great relief. As the parent of a child who clearly has the talent and more importantly the love of golf, she has found a community in both Special Olympics and Golf Australia. Kate can see a difference in Cameron when playing in all abilities golf. I've seen a change in his behaviour that he's sort of up the ante slightly with the way he presents himself or maybe how he interacts with others um, where it's Special Olympic events and it's not, you know, he's, uh, he's got very great mates that are, you know, very similar to him. Um, it's just slightly different. It's a different feel, different vibe. But in saying that, um, I would say as parents, we feel very comfortable in that setting because people in Special Olympics know exactly what you're going through with someone that doesn't have a physical disability, like doesn't present with a physical disability that people can see. So in, in those events, we feel very comfortable because if he has a tantrum or, you know, loses it, people go, yeah, whatever. But, you know, people that are amputees or, um, you know, maybe have a mobility issue, maybe don't understand why you're having a tantrum. I think he feels comfortable with people within Special Olympics that sometimes, you know, he might flap a little bit or become overstimulated and has some little rituals that he might do that he doesn't necessarily do here because he thinks he may, because at Special Olympics you might see someone else doing it, so it's okay to do it you know where he might hold it all in here so sometimes when we come home from a spit like uh, all abilities event he might let it all out at night time because he feels safe around us in a in you know at home or in a motel or something like that the last 20 years have been a steep learning curve for kate and all her family from the 18 year old new mother to the experienced competent carer that she's now become it's all been a journey of discovery is motherhood like she might have expected when going into the delivery room Probably not. But her words of advice are a powerful message to anyone who faces a similar journey. The, the outcome will be your choice. So you choose your destiny. And for us, it was okay. This wasn't what we expected. Roll with the punches. Take each day as it comes. Um, you know, draw upon your support systems that you have. So for us, we had a we've got a great family. Um, we've got great friends, and you know, when people offer support, take it. You know, um, like I said, you can you can choose to be a victim, and you can choose to say, "Oh, poor me, woe me, what do I do?" All of these things, um, or you can choose to move forward and create a fantastic life for you know your child and yourselves. You know, we wouldn't have these opportunities if he wasn't who he is. So yeah, I just say, take it and run with it. So back to the first tea that Friday, December the sixth, twenty nineteen. Welcome to the Australian All Abilities Championship. This is match number one. On the tee from Coffs Harbour, Cameron Pollard. My sincere thanks to our partners, Ping Golf, who have made this podcast possible. Ping help golfers around the world to play their best. For more information about Edgar, please visit edgargolf.com 
and stay tuned for the next Tough Love and Second Chances podcast.